I was female, black, and strong, which to certain people, maintaining a certain mindset, translated only to angry. Hi, my name is Imani Lee. My name is Nana Golden. And I'm Charong Kim. This is an episode of Cultural Standpoints, a series from strategists at VCU Brand Center. Today, we are talking about stereotypes as traps. Stereotypes are generalizations about groups of people. They are mental shortcuts used to judge individuals based on race, ethnicity, age, gender, sexual orientation, and almost any other characteristic. Stereotypes are social constructions that are put on us externally by others. They can be used as social power. And when internalized, they can have an effect on our performance, mental state, and even our physical health. Stereotypes are not created equal. Most often, they're negative. Some are also positive. Their impact tends to reinforce existing hierarchies, such as social and racial ones. You may have recognized the voice at the beginning of this podcast as Michelle Obama. That clip was from her book, Becoming. It inspired our project, and this is what she had to say about how stereotypes can become traps. It's remarkable how a stereotype functions as an actual trap How many angry black women have been caught in the circular logic of that phrase? When you aren't being listened to, why wouldn't you get louder? If you're written off as angry or emotional, doesn't that just cost more of the same? As a black woman in this country, that part of the book really stood out to me and resonated with my personal journey and a part of my story here at Brand Center. I recall working on my first group project and feeling as though I was in this trap and not really knowing how to escape it. There are times where I was beyond frustrated, but because I didn't know my classmates at all and this was a new environment, I didn't do anything about it. I didn't want to just start cussing people out and flipping tables and showing a little bit of anger, and then all of a sudden I'm labeled as the angry black female that no one wants to work with at Brand Center. The constant internal and external battle puts added pressure to a lot of situations and then can affect me physically, mentally, and emotionally. Claude Steele, a professor of psychology at Stanford University, explains this pressure and threat a little bit more eloquently. The idea of stereotype threat is the the very simple idea that um, if you're trying to perform in an area where your group is negatively stereotyped, you're going to feel an extra pressure, a distracting kind of pressure. Uh, and that pressure can affect how well you perform. So Imani, how did you manage the pressure of your stereotype? From being a teacher and owning my own classroom to now having to adjust and make others feel comfortable was a huge challenge. Professionally, this was the first time I've ever had to do that. And with all the emotions bottled up inside, I felt like I was going to burst and I really wanted to quit. Instead, I just vented to my loved ones and released and found a way to be the polished, buttoned-up Imani that everyone liked at the meeting. Um, And just like Michelle and other people of color, I just co-switched my way through these situations to make other people feel comfortable with my blackness. Can you tell us a little bit more about code switching and why you do it? Yeah, so code switching to me is switching to a different personality that is a little bit more buttoned up and palatable to my classmates so they can digest all of my expressions of blackness. So it's kind of like a coping mechanism that a lot of us do without even knowing that we're doing it. Um, But it works in our favor, so we don't have to then be labeled as something that is negative and can impact our character differently. 
So knowing how close our strategy track is, I was surprised. And when I first heard that, I was also upset that you didn't feel you could be, you know, yourself when you first came to Brand Center. Was there a particular experience that caused you to hold back from being you in fear of perpetuating that stereotype? No, I don't think there was a specific situation that really rooted that stereotype in my mind for me, but I do believe that there were um, examples in the media of how black women have been written off for acting in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And so I knew if I leaned into that, there was a potential that I would be performing in an expected way and reaffirming the ideas of what people thought of Mm -hmm. the black woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And so before I could even get to know you on a personal level, if I acted that way, Mm -hmm. you automatically assumed that I was like the rest. Mm. So Nanda, as a white male, I'm sure your experience with stereotypes has been much different than mine. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have strong stereotypes that I was managing when I was a kid. The first experience I remember was reading about mansplaining from comments that female friends were making on Facebook. When I read these comments, I understood what they were talking about. It's something I'd seen, but I also felt a tinge of worry. I'd definitely been the guy making a point, long-winded, only to find out that I'd been talking to someone who knew much more than I did. Well, realizing that, did it lead you to change your perspective or your behavior? Yes, something definitely shifted. What was an undesirable behavior that I'd seen men do became something that everybody seemed to know about and was ready to call out. It had become a stereotype. We were interested to see where this term came from, and when we looked into the origin of mansplaining, it comes from an essay by Rebecca Solnit. She mentions that she didn't coin the phrase, but is credited with it. She says, I was really leery of the term for a long time because it felt a bit to me like it typecasts men as like this is what men do rather than this is what some slightly overconfident, um, oblivious guys do. And then a young woman said to me, a PhD candidate at UC Berkeley, you don't understand how valuable and important this word is. This word lets women or men identify an experience that pretty nearly every woman has had and that we didn't have language for. When we, when we have a word for something, we can talk about it, we can acknowledge it, we can discuss it, we can you know, disavow it. And until the word existed, we really had no way to frame this experience. So the word is really valuable. After exploring her logic, how do you feel like that mirrored back and related to your life? I think your point is true for me. The phrase mansplaining solidified something in my mind, turning something that I knew about in a vague way into, into something with social power that could be called out. Uh, I think I internalized the stereotype. I saw it as true and myself as potentially impacted, and it was a bit scary. Well, what about you, Chirong? As an international student who has lived and studied in different countries, um, what's your perspective? Yeah, so I'm Korean, but I lived and studied in Australia, Fiji, Vietnam, and France. And I struggled to define who I was in relation to the community that I was currently living in. One thing that I remember is when I was in primary school, grade school, I guess, it was assumed that I was really good at science and math. I'm not. (laughs) A lot of tests prove that I'm not. But it was believed that I was, and I think my teachers really encouraged that um, by reinforcing that stereotype. 
And for some reason, I look back and I think that my grades reflected um, that performance that probably wasn't innately (laughs) in me. Going back to my very early memories of living in Australia, I think my parents are very aware that there was a certain stereotype with Asians. And um, although I didn't know it at the time, looking back and talking to them, I think uh, they wanted their children to be a certain way or to behave in a certain way because they were you know, aware of the negative stereotypes surrounding Asians at that time. I don't, I don't think that there was, like, of course, all black people are not monolithic. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think my parents ever said, we don't want you to act like that. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, education is first. Well, in my house, it was God first, then education. Mm-hmm. Whatever else happened after that, they didn't care. Yeah. You are going to go to church. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to school. You're going to respect your mother and father. And whatever happens after mm-hmm. that, whatever you value is your own person, and that's how you develop. From there, like, being educated, if you want to say, or being exposed to different things. My grandmother going to an HBCU, like, all of these things enlightened my journey as to what that meant to be an educated black female. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't never, it wasn't ever defined, Mm. so. That's interesting. I feel like as people of color, Mm -hmm. our families uh, put a lot of emphasis on education, like higher education. Yes. And like that's like sort of like the way out to being stereotyped in a negative way. My family didn't, (laughs) by the way. They didn't at all. And you are Dr. Golden. I'm a doctor, yeah. So just because I have an extra diploma, which currently is sitting in my back seat, does not mean Mm -hmm. that that negates my blackness Mm -hmm. because that's all that people see when I walk into a room sometimes. Mm -hmm. This podcast focused on our three stories, how stereotypes compelled us, and how we responded. Our stories were very different, but we found some things in common. Despite our stereotypes being projected on us socially, without our consent or control, we each felt compelled to recognize them whether we believed them or not. We realized that their most powerful effects are often internal, affecting us emotionally and professionally. We recognize that stereotypes impact us differently. Depending on the stereotype and who it applies to, the burden and the way it manifests varies. Starting with you, Sharon, has your perspective changed? Is the way you navigate stereotypes going to be any different? Well, knowing that stereotypes can be wielded as social power and have an effect on how we internalize it, I think I struggled to make sure I wasn't letting myself to be a victim of those stereotypes. This can be through trying to break stereotypes intentionally or even for me to lean into it and flip the power of it and use it to my advantage. Sometimes it feels like I am having an additional obstacle in my path, but that's also been a fuel for me to push myself, probably beyond what would have been just comfortable to show that people are wrong and I am uniquely and competently me. For me, I was surprised to come to the realization that internalizing a stereotype might not be a bad thing. In my case, it acted as a reminder to do something I didn't want to do, to not talk over people, to not disrespect them. It also makes me more aware of when other people are doing it. I'm definitely not a proponent of stereotypes or people avoiding things out of fear, but in this case, it keeps it top of mind, which is useful for me personally and I think socially. Yeah, and for me, I would say that I am going to try to not code switch as much. 
um, and try to be more unapologetically me, as they say. I am black, I'm a female, and I carry the weight of my ancestors on my shoulders, and I'll be damned if how I define my blackness is not something that you can handle or swallow. But even as I say that, I worry that someone's going to hear that and instantly write me off as something else that I don't want to be defined as. 